Hello, everyone. Wherever you're joining us from, we welcome you. Glad you're here. And San Jose, I'm so glad that I can be with you today. We've been going over the series, The God Who Sees, and this is the fourth and last message. If you missed any of the previous messages, please go to our website and check them out because you'll be blessed. Let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are real, you're good, and you're with us. Bless this message and speak your truth, love, and encouragement to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I've been thinking about this message series, The God Who Sees, and looked back on my journey, remembering many of those moments where I needed to be seen and God did show up. But I recognized that many of those times, God saw me and showed up through my friends, through people around me. I see the similar role that friends played in this passage that we'll be reading together. Let's read from the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 2 to 4. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat, right down in front of Jesus. This story is unfolding in a town called Capernaum. It was in the region of Galilee. People in this region were hearing a lot of rumors about this man, Jesus. They were hearing that he went to places, spoke with authority, healed the sick, cast out demons, and he had a huge following. You see, they didn't know about Jesus as we know Jesus. We know the rest of Jesus' ministry. We know that he died on the cross and rose again. We know that Jesus established his church through his disciples. And this church is still enduring 2,000 years later, and we are part of it. So these people want to find more, more about Jesus and figure out who he was. So the latest news was that he was at this particular house in Capernaum. People rushed to make their way to this house. This house was crowded before you know it, and there was no room for anybody to enter anymore. Jesus was in the middle of this crowd, and he was preaching God's word. People are paying attention to every word that Jesus is saying. And all of a sudden, they start to notice this com commotion coming from outside. First, it was some conversation. Then it was mumbling. There was hushing. Then they hear some footsteps going up the stairway, up to the flat rooftop. What's going on? That noise, the noise doesn't stop there. It's only getting louder. Now they're starting to notice some dust falling on their heads, debris falling down. And they are starting to see 
this hole appearing on the roof above their heads, above Jesus' head as well. If I was in that room watching this happening, I would have been bothered by this disruption. Don't you know who's speaking right now? It's that famous Jesus. I'm trying to listen to him. You are interrupting us. You are interrupting this man, Jesus. They finish digging a hole big enough for this paralyzed man that they carried up to the rooftop and carefully lower this man down to be in front of Jesus. Jesus doesn't rebuke them. We'll see Jesus' response, which brings us to the first point. God sees the helpers. Verse 5 says, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith, this there, they could have included the paralyzed man himself because I'm sure he was desperate to try anything to be healed. What we know for sure is that Jesus is referring to the faith of these four men who carry the paralyzed man. Because of their faith that Jesus saw in them, Jesus responds to the paralyzed man saying, my child, your sins are forgiven. Are you caring for someone? Your parents? Your grandparents? Or a child who requires a special level of care? Have you been trying to help someone? Have you been praying for someone for so long, wondering if you're being noticed, if your prayers are being heard, if God sees you? God sees the helper. God sees you. And God also sees your faith. Because of your faith, someone is being blessed. Where I'm sharing this message in Redwood City and San Jose, there are people who are not in this room. There are our volunteers for kids and students ministry. They are opening another house for our children to come into, a play, to a place where God's word is being preached. We don't see them from where we are, but God sees them. God sees their faith. And because of their faith, our children are being blessed. God sees the helper. God also sees the helpless. We don't know what caused this par paralysis for this man. We don't know how long he's had it. But we can imagine that it must have been difficult challenging and hard. He had to miss out on so many things because of his condition. He also had to endure things that other people didn't have to endure. It wasn't just him. It also made it difficult for people around him because they had to care for him. But God saw him. They might have wondered, does God see me? Does God care about me? Yes, God saw him, and God showed up this day. He showed up through these three, uh, four men. It was through his friends that he showed up. I was born and raised in Korea. In my mid-20s, I decided that I wanted to go to America and start a new chapter. 
I quit my nursing job, packed up what I could bring over, collected my savings I had. I got, I got here, and I was taking classes to learn English at a school living in a dorm. I had to learn the language, the culture, and basically everything. Where I was, I didn't have my family to look after me, so I had to rely on friends and people around me. There was a local church near where I was living. They sent a bus to the dorm and picked up international students like me. They welcomed us at their church with such amazing hospitality, with food, with games, with their encouragement, with messages. But more than anything, they offered their friendship to us. There, I met a friend. She invited me to join her life group. And the people in that life group became my friends. I didn't have a car, so someone had to drive me to, for me to be able to join them for a life group meeting at someone's home. Someone drove me to church every Sunday. They literally carried me. I struggled with uncertainty, fear. But they were there praying with me, encouraging me, crying with me, and also celebrating with me. I knew that God was seeing me because of those friends. God showed up through my friends. A few years ago, my husband Eugene was diagnosed with prostate cancer. We were pretty helpless because we had no control over the test results or the outcome of the surgery or the prognosis afterwards. But we were not hopeless because we were surrounded by our family and friends who cared for us. They called us, text, texted us, prayed with us, brought us food, encouraged us. So we also knew that we were seen by God, and it was through friends. God sees the helpless. In the house where this story is unfolding, the paralyzed man was not the only one who was helpless in need of being seen by Jesus. Verse 6 through 8 tells us, But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? These teachers of religious law probably didn't come here thinking they were in need of being seen. They were in need of being taught and corrected. Their need of their questions being answered. But regardless of their assumption, Jesus saw them and Jesus responded to their thoughts and questions and addressed them. God says to helpless, whether we realize it or not. Jesus' first response to the paralyzed man was not what people expected. The paralyzed man and the friends for sure expected something more like, I see your condition. I see your problem that you're bringing, bringing to me. Let me address that. Let me offer you healing. 
Instead, he says, your sins are forgiven. It's because God sees the big picture. This notion of Jesus offering forgiveness caused a twist in the whole house. We read um, from the previous text that some of the teachers had thoughts calling it blasphemy. And everyone in the room were probably wondering, what is that? What kind of response is that? And Jesus explains why in verse 9 through 11. Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Jesus is making an argument so that we can understand what he's claiming. For us, according to our ability and understanding, it's probably easier to say something than getting something done. Because when we say your sins are forgiven, we don't have to show any proof immediately or visibly. But when we say I heal you, you have to have proof of healing. So for us, at our level, it is easier to say your sins are forgiven. But Jesus is the one who can really offer that to us. That's why he shows this healing to help us to believe that he's the one with authority to redeem us. He's the one who sees our biggest more important problem, the need of redemption, the need of forgiveness. So he's making a point. I see you. I see you with your problem that you are bringing to me right now. But I also see you in in this big picture that includes eternity. And with this view, with my knowledge, with with my power, I see you in this big picture. God sees the big picture. We experience times to time where our prayer doesn't seem to be answered or in the timely manner that we expected or wanted. It's because God sees the big picture. God sees you in that context. So keep bringing your requests, concerns to God, but trusting Him. Do that trusting him. God sees the big picture. God is offering something better, even better to you. So after finally saying to the man, get up and walk, we see what happens in the next text. And the next point will be come to the house where friends are. Verse 12 says, And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. You see what's happening here? It wasn't just a paralyzed man who was blessed. It was also 
the friends who brought the paralyzed men because they were seen by Jesus, because their faith was validated by Jesus, and they got to experience this miracle that was performed for their friend who they cared about. But that was not it. All the onlookers, everybody who was in that room, they saw what this how this friend was carried in, what these friends did, and how Jesus saw them and met their needs. They also got to hear Jesus explaining who he was. Everyone in that room was blessed. So come to the house where friends are is our next point. Because someone will be carried in. Someone will be healed. You get to be part of it. You get to help someone. And also, by being there, you get to witness someone's life being changed, lives being transformed. So come to the house where friends are. So I would like to encourage you to keep tuning in, keep joining us to hear God's word together, to praise with us, get connected to a life group, a Bible study, or a serving team. Be surrounded by friends. Come to the house where friends are. It's not easy to ask for help. But allow your friends to surround you and carry you. Fill out the connection card. Let us know who you are and let us know how we can pray for you because that's what friends are for. I mentioned earlier about my friends who carried me. It was time for me to move to a different area. One of my friends introduced me to a different church. And that church became my home church for the following 16 years. There I met my husband. We started our family. My husband and I served as life group leaders. We opened our home, hosted meetings, gatherings, opened our home for fellowships, celebrations. And we opened our home to anyone who needed a place to stay. We did that because my friends did that to me first. It was our way of saying thank you. And from there, I was called to be in ministry, went to seminary, become a children's pastor. Then God called our family to come to NBCC four years ago. When we came to NBCC, we knew no one. We joined the Christmas choir. We joined the serving team. And quickly, we started noticing that we were being surrounded by friends. This is remarkable to see where we are now. Today, I'm sharing this message with you. And my friend, my family is serving and being served by, with, by our friends. I know we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't my friends carrying me when I was in need. As I reflect on my story, the friends who were there for me, and this passage, I was reminded of the song, That's What Friends Are, but That's What Friends Are For, by Dionne Warwick. I'd like to share the lyrics of the chorus. It goes like this. Keep smiling. Keep shining. 
Knowing you can always count on me, for sure. That's what friends are for. For good times and bad times, I'll be on your side forevermore. That's what friends are for. This is the kind of song that we sing to each other when we come to the house where Jesus is, where God's word is being preached. Come, let us sing to you. Keep smiling, keep shining. You can count on me. Also, let's sing this song to someone who's feeling helpless or paralyzed because that's, that's what friends are for. I'd like to end with two questions. Who carries you? There was someone along the way on your journey who sang to you, who held your hand, who walked with you, who fed you, encouraged you, and prayed for you. You can thank them, but also thank God because it was God who saw you and sent these people your way. Who is God calling you to carry? We all have something to offer. When we help, God sees us. God sees our faith. And because of our faith, God will bless someone. Who is God calling you to carry? Thank you for joining us.